Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Yeah, this is Phil Stevens. Sorry I missed a few weeks, but uh, I've been busy. Lots of meets. And uh, anyways, I, I run Strength Heal. I'm a strength coach and a lifter and uh, run USSF, and, amongst other things. Awesome. Uh, well, you know what? Let's start with that. I've got two bits of uh, of news, really. Both are related, at least in one sense, to protein, but let's hear about the meats. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Yeah, man, we've been busy, so, geez, what did I, I missed. I missed for Highland Games, and then and we all did. A bunch of us competed in that. I was the only one of my group that uh, had experience, and the rest of them were brand new at it. And then last weekend, we threw our first super total meet for my federation, which I, as far as I know, we're the only one doing it. Um, a super total is, it was an idea we had to do right when we began, but it's basically you do a back-to-back, two meets back-to-back. So you do an Olympic lifting meet, and then you get about 30 minutes, and then you do a powerlifting meet. Um, so two full meets, and uh, you don't have to do it. Like you can enter either, or you can enter just Olympic meet. You can enter just power. But if you're if you're sadistic, you can enter both and, okay. and see how well you do. Right. So had uh, one, two, three of my girls enter that, and then one, two, three, four of my girls enter just one, and then we had about six other people enter the power or the the super total, and uh, a bunch of them enter the the just power, but. Uh, yeah, it went great. I mean, my, my the girls from here kicked butt. My wife came out, and I think she put on a good show. She did something she's never done before, which is bomb out of the snatch. Um, mm. So didn't get a lift at all, and that kind of really got to her head. And uh, I think it was just she's never missed an opener. And when she missed that opener, we had already hit it on the warm-up platform. I think it really got to her head, and uh, then she just wasn't moving normal. And with the snatch, unlike the power lifts, I mean, if you're jacked up and you're off a quarter of an inch, it doesn't matter how hard you try to do it. If you're off a quarter of an inch, you're just missing the lift, and because uh, you're you're literally throwing the weight from ground to straight overhead, yeah. And then you have to balance with it in a rock bottom squat. And I think it just got to her head. She moved a little weird, but she was able to to go sit down in the corner and put some earphones on and got her head right and came out and uh, tore it up from there on out. She got a, a really big. She wanted to go 183 on her clean and jerk. Which is what she missed her last week, but she was moving so well, I called her up to 193, and she killed that. Um, and then had a good press, uh, clean and press, and then came in and hit her first 315 squat in competition, which she's, she's done that before in the gym, but That's never big. in competition. Nice, yeah. Yeah, and she had plenty left in the tank, and uh, a PR paused bench of 155. Mm-hmm. And then she's never, she's always hated the deadlift, so she's never liked it and ended up hitting a 335 deadlift. Um, yeah, so she had a heck of a meet. And then I had another girl hit her first 300. You know, like I said, a bunch of new girls try it out. And um, one guy, one big guy totaled a 1980. So yeah, it's coming along, man. It's, it's, and then I had to total up our, 
you know, the lifts done so far because we're we'll get ready for nationals next spring, and we're becoming pretty darn competitive. Um, so far, even to get an invite in to nationals in the two forty two class, for instance, you have to have at least an eighteen hundred pound total. Okay. Um. So yeah, I'm real happy with how things are coming along. Who does and, the uh, invite then? I mean, how's that work? I do. Oh, you oh, have I see. to be top three in your weight class. Okay. So just to be even top three in in the two forty twos, it's eighteen hundred or up. All right. So that's that's mm-hmm. pretty big. Uh, we're starting to get some good lifters, and yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. We've got all kinds of meets, and we've got next weekend. I do another Highland Games on Saturday, and then I'm off for a week, and then we have the big Strength Guild Games October fourth and fifth. So I wonder if you're going to feel beat up when all this is done. I don't know. Yeah, I'll be ready for a break when this stint's over. After October fourth, we we got a nice run off. We'll have a meet in February, but uh, we're starting to near the end of the crazy time. Well, and of course, holiday season comes on then, so it's like it's no less stressful. But yeah, but at least you get to eat. Gym goes, <laughs> you get to eat and recover a little bit on that. Yeah, part, you know. So, and then I'm not doing a meet until I've planned my next one out for not until next August. So, and okay. that'll be my next powerlifting meet. And look, it might be my last one before surgery. So I'm planning to go big on that. But mm-hmm. uh, I've already got the the meet planned out. Who's going to hold it and stuff like that? So I don't have to pay attention to running it or anything. But um, right. Cool. Yeah, it's going good. It's going well. Awesome. Um, yeah. <clears throat> there's actually a lot of uh, sort of on the science side. There's a lot of events going on too. Um, I I, I got to sign a contract. In fact, as soon as I hang up with you, but uh, just a little National Strength Conditioning Association webinar. We're going to do a thing. Talk about our energy drink and caffeine research with that stuff. Um, the American Society of Exercise Physiologists is the same weekend. So, oh, good Lord. So if I have to do that one webinar, I may be doing it from the hotel room while I'm at the other event. Is that mm. twisted? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, but some fun stuff going on with that sort of thing. Uh, since I'm talking about science, let me share just a little bit of uh, science news before we get to our topic of the day. And for people who are wondering if they should stick around to listen, uh, I think we're going to talk about gurus. What makes a guru what we consider, you know, standard guru procedures versus advanced guru. Uh, And there were some things that sort of tipped this off, but uh, we'll get to that. Uh, Let me share this one. Uh, I had a listener actually ask about this, and I had spoken with the author, uh, who we all know, Joey Antonio, Dr. Antonio, over the summer. He and I were talking about our high-protein research, and uh, he – Really pushed the envelope, I think, with this one. So this is the International Journal of Sports Nutrition 2014. Um, Just came out very recently. Uh, The effects of consuming a high-protein diet, 4.4 grams per kg each day, uh, on body comp in resistance-trained individuals. So these weren't sedentary people. They didn't have any disease. They were resistance-trained, healthy people. Um, it says the purpose of this investigation was to determine the effects of a very high protein diet. Again, 4.4 grams per kg. I don't know if people usually do the math that way, but that's an enormous amount, and I'll explain it in a minute. On body comp, um, they wanted to look at how much fat and muscle mass in resistance trained men and women. Uh, they took 30 of them. Uh, average age was 24. Uh, they basically instructed them to maintain the same training and diet uh, outside of, you know, the really high um, 
protein intake because mm-hmm. they're trying to get the idea is this protein doing it you can't have people on different training programs of course and you know what if you don't train everybody at the same time we used to do these sorts of studies and we would literally i, I was a grad student grunt so they'd say lonnie go to the weight room the guys have to show up at 7 a.m before classes start during the day and all that and you know, make sure that they're all following this workout. Here's workout sheets, have them fill them out. Now, I don't think they went to that extent. They just instructed them to do the same thing, I believe. But anyway, they use Bod Pod, mm-hmm. which is like underwater weighing for people who don't know. Uh, they try to control their training volume, like I said, and the other food. But um, the high protein group consumed an average of 307 grams of protein a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, compared to just 138 for the control group. So 300-plus grams of protein a day, that's an awful lot of protein, I think, by anybody's standards. And I think that's where uh, Antonio and his colleagues are pushing the envelope here. Um, Conclusions, consuming 5.5 times the RDA for protein had no effect on body composition in resistance-trained individuals who otherwise maintain the same training regimen. This is the first interventional study to demonstrate that consuming a hypercaloric, high-protein diet does not result in an increase in body fat. So I think what he was most interested in, at least when I spoke to him, what I got from him was you can eat buckets of protein, and it's just not going to make you fat. You know, And I've yeah. certainly talked to dietitians who say, well, there's four calories per gram in protein, so excess calories from any source makes you fat. Mm. Well, Probably not, uh, yeah. you know, and I always would point that out. I mean, you could look at biochemistry books and they'll tell you what the fate of excess protein is, and it's not lipogenesis. It's not new fat creation, you know. Now, one mm. person, another alternative view might say, well, wait, they didn't have any more muscle on them? And it's like, well, you know, you would think that all that protein would cause greater stimulation of muscle protein synthesis. But remember, these guys are trained. Uh, they're not beginners. A lot of times when you see jumps in muscle mass from feeding protein, it's in beginners, um, and these guys are already trained. And again, I don't have all the details about exactly how many calories they ate and how they trained, but Antonio and those guys are on the ball with this. You know, he's from the same family tree from Peter Lemon uh, mm-hmm. academically than I am. And, you know, Pete trained us up on the protein side of things and ca- how ca- calories interact and the training interacts. And interesting stuff, though. Uh, it just kind of confirms, I think, what a lot of strength athletes and bodybuilders could have told you years ago, which is if you want to lean down, fill up on protein, you know, mm-hmm. protein and fiber, how you do it, yeah. you know. Uh, so uh, I actually am going to share some data probably next summer uh, at ISSN. The study that I looked at, uh, we didn't just do it over eight weeks. That's another limitation too. And, you know, it's not – the study's not bad. It's just a limitation. I mean, if you would have given them more than eight weeks or they had a different training status, maybe they would have put on mass – I just did a cross-sectional study, and I mentioned this years ago on the show, but we uh, just looked at habitual protein intake, and some of these habitual intakes were huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my high-protein guys, they weren't this high, but they were high. They were really high, I think 250 grams a day, if I remember right. But the point being is we looked at body comp, and I, long story short, I didn't see uh, any changes in body fat uh, I, I wasn't sure if the body fat would go up or go, go down. You know, mm-hmm. you could look at this in different ways. Um, and I didn't see any change in body fat either. So that would be very supportive of this study. I did see a correlation, though, between the guy's um, protein intake and how much lean mass they had. Um, but when you adjust it statistically per pound and whatnot, I, I'm not sure that always pans out. Anyway, yeah. so high-protein diet, certainly not um, 
a problem of any kind. And then this next one is super practical. I stumbled across a protein and fiber snack. I don't know anybody out there who's desperately looking, but every once in a while I just want to sit around and, you know, you get the munchies and you're at a time of the season or of the year where you're allowed, you know, and it's not a problem. But you don't want to just wolf down cheese puffs, you know, crap like that. Um, And I came across these things. They're called Snap Pea Crisps. And some people may know about this already, but they're just lightly salted baked pea pods. Um, Harvest Snaps is what they're called. HarvestSnaps.com. I'm not affiliated with them anyway. You just might want to check it out. It says, we love peas. We're obsessed with peas. It goes on about how they're legume. And I mean, from the time my son was an infant, uh, we'd ask him, what are peas? And he'd say, they're a nutritional powerhouse because we always call peas nutritional powerhouse. Loaded, you know, vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals. I mean, and they have a lot of the benefits of beans without the gas for Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, you know. So um, being a legume, you know, they're rich in fiber and protein. And I was just talking about benefits of fiber and protein for leaning down. So five grams of protein in these things, 17 grams of carbs, of which four are fiber, and there's only one sugar, um, and four and a half grams of fat. So it's basically a higher fiber, higher protein snack, um, just, you know, green peas fried in vegetable oil, <coughs> ba- baked with vegetable oil, I guess. And um, now somebody might say, well, isn't pea protein not one of the best proteins? Well, sure, but we're talking about a snack alternative for potato chips that basically have no protein, you know. Yeah. Uh, and not only that, I actually worked with a company about two years ago uh, pea protein is getting a lot of attention because it's. Mm-hmm. I think it's sort of a, a preferred alternative to soy for people who want the plant protein side of things. And we are just talking about if you spiked it with a little bit of extra leucine, that may be what really helps, you know, because plant proteins tend to be incomplete. They tend to lack mm-hmm. one or more essential amino acids. Uh, I, I know a lot of listeners know that, but so these, I'm not, I'm not making a claim that they are the best most anabolic kind of protein but you know what i'll take them over just cheese puffs you know so it sounds a lot tastier too than the pea proteins that came out i don't know if they've gotten better but woof, man i had some companies send me some it was like wow this is tastes like peas with a with a side of chocolate it does <laughs> you're right you're right so no these I'd are rather, good yeah yeah i'd rather have it just taste like peas yeah, you know? they're lightly salted, so, um, yeah. but even with the lightly salted, there's tons of potassium in them. I mean, potato chips have plenty of potassium, too. But yeah. yeah, they're tasty. They're actually crunchy, tasty, like veggie chips, kind of. Well, I don't know if anybody's ever done it. I mean, when you go on low-carb diets, that's one of the things you miss is, like, something crunchy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. there's not a lot of that when you're, you know, the closest thing you get to is, like, celery, and it's, it's different. You know, no, that's a good eat, point. When you're eating nothing but meat and vegetables, it's like, man, I just want something that goes snap. <laughs> you know? You're but, right. Uh, I've actually uh, seen yeah. some research in the past about the uh, attractiveness of that snappy, crunchy mm-hmm. sensation, you know, because um, they go, of course, they go in the way into the deep end, some of those sensory eval researchers when they look at foods, you know, and yeah, that, that whole crunchy, snappy thing is, uh, I think it's hardwired into us to like that. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. And I mean, yeah, how many protein actual snacks are there? You know what I mean? Like you're saying, meats, that's not filling that need, protein shakes, eggs. Yeah, nothing to actually just kind of munch on. Yeah. And like I said, I wouldn't be doing this a month before a competition, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, it's, 
I just thought it was sort of cool harvest snaps. All right, so well, uh, that's it for the news. Let's just go ahead and go to break. Okay. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about gurus. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press in protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So – uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. <laughs> Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. <laughs> Okay, everybody, we're back, and like Lonnie said, we're going to talk about gurus, or maybe how to identify gurus. We're just going to go all into gurus. Um, of course, within the fitness industry, we, we might branch out a little bit from there and just get a little general, but um, one of the first things that came to mind when we started bringing up this topic is I just I just did a search on one of the key words that I know everybody in the fitness industry hits, and that's six-pack abs. Um, yeah. And one of the first ones that pops up was zero to six-pack abs, and... One of the things that I look for when, when it first comes out that when I, that defines guru for me is when you go to the home page and it's like it takes 10 minutes to scroll down the home page. Amen. Yep. And it, I mean, the, the pages read like an infomercial. Um, you know, here's how I learned it. And then buy now and you get this and $700 value for free. We throw it in. And it's like, man, if that was worth $700, you'd be charging $700. Not three easy installments of right. 99 
you know right and that's yep. that's one of the big ones is you always see that and it's it's like a you go to a page and boom this thing pops up sign up now and you get this $700 book for free. No, 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 you don't. <laughs> Nobody gives away a $700 book for free. Right, yeah. You know. There's a lot of Sorry. marketing um, <clears throat> ploys. I, one of the things we were talking about, everybody, before uh, Phil and I hit record is there almost seems to be different levels of of guru. <clears throat> um, basic gurus in the fitness industry are less sophisticated, and I think those are the kind of guys, like you said, amen with that. Those pages you got to pan down. It's just sort of, usually it's got a white background, and you just keep panning down and down, and it looks sort of amateurish, HTML yep. kind of stuff. It's not real slick, like a, a big-end commercial site. But the basic stuff, uh, I actually do a little uh, educational bit on that. And, you know, there's lots of ploys, of course, that marketers will use. And sometimes it's a company, like a supplement company. Sometimes it's the guru selling himself. There are lots of things that they do to get your attention. And I actually show students like examples of ads and we pick these things out. Now, just because you see these things doesn't mean it's fraudulent, but it should raise a red flag because, of course, the whole idea of marketing is to connect emotional or other ties to uh, a product you know, even if that product is yourself, uh, rather than using just facts. I mean, I, I always harp, listen, cut through the crap. You're always looking for two things, safety and efficacy. Can you evidence that for me? Can you evidence the safety of the training program and the effectiveness? Can you evidence the safety of the supplement or the effectiveness, you know? And then there's all sorts of ways that they sort of dance around that, you know, unrelated visuals, um, you know, that, or suggestive visuals that make it look like, you know, like the, the classic giant bodybuilder holding the bottle of stuff. But does that say anything about the product? No. In itself, no, it doesn't, you know. Or they've got the proprietary blends and so they'll throw in words like secret or ancient or it's foreign, you know. And all these things make it untestable, really, or hard to actually analyze for safety and effectiveness, you know. Sometimes they'll use baffling scientific terms or medical ease. You know, and, and that sort of thing. When I talk about advanced gurus, and I was looking at uh, an educational site, actually, and a lot of times they even creep in to what I would call legitimate academic and professional circles. So before I say something about advanced gurus, let me give you the definition here. Phil, you made me think about this when you were panning down that page. Um, according to Google, and it's similar on the MiriamWebster.com website, a guru is a spiritual teacher, especially one who imparts initiation. And I think that's what these guys do so well. They make you feel initiated into their way of thinking. You know, so many times, and you and I have seen this a hundred times more, a million times between you and Rob and I. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether it's a training program or a nutrition program, it's always they'll reinvent these categories like these are the three phases of the muscle recovery process. Bullshit. That's something you just <laughs> made up. You pulled that out of your behind. They name things in their own. And why do they do this when they create their own names and their own categories? Or maybe it's they're naming some phenomenon, you know, that they call something they do when they lift. Now, don't get me wrong. Some people might come up with their own words for something because they're trying to express it and explain it. But when you're trying to manipulate people for their money, you know, it becomes a little bit different. But the reason they do that, I, I think a lot of consumers don't realize, is they're setting themselves up at, as this authority figure. Because who knows more about this bullshit than you do? You made it up. 
You know what I mean? And therefore, you start imparting this and initiating the people into your your little system. You know, and that's what I guess I'm bitching about is these proprietary, these made up categories and systems that they do in nutrition. You know, you'll get people saying, you ask them a straightforward question and the person's an authority figure and you say, you know, what do you think about this type of diet? And they'll say, well, I think you're asking the wrong question. You should be asking the, my question, you know, which is, and it's like, no, I asked you what you thought of this diet. You know what I mean? Don't spin this into you being the authority again, you know, um, so that you get a lot of that, like why the medical establishment is wrong, why the question is off, uh, but because I'm such an expert, here's the real question you should be asking. Those sorts of things, you know, I mean, are decades and decades of medical research or strength conditioning research suddenly wrong mm -hmm. because this guru comes along and he's going to rename stuff or call stuff something else yeah uh, it, it, I don't know. and the, the the biggest one that jumps out to me and it will probably get some hate over this and i actually train people in this well sport is what they call it now crossfit and yeah it's an easy it's an easy target but it's because of it's exactly what you just said i mean glassman came out and he did he created his own dialect out of already pre-existing terms pre-existing you know, yep <laughs> you know yep i'm sorry Cross training has been there forever. You know, these complexes have been there forever. And, you know, to take things like, you know, simple strength endurance work and create a new name for it. And, you know, the, the, we're going to increase work capacity over across broad time and modal domains. It's like, what? just use the words that were already there. Exactly. Like, like general then, physical preparedness, you know, yes, things like exactly. that. Exactly. And instead, he, he created his own brand new dialect that people could buy into. And, uh, you know, then it was supposed, you know, all of a sudden it was all his own then, yeah. <clears throat> you know, and then people could drink the Kool-Aid and buy into that. And, uh, good term, good term. That know. whole initiation part of the definition is drink the Kool-Aid, you <clears throat> yeah. know? Uh, and you know, the thing that I think becomes maybe most insidious about this is a lot of these guys, they study these, like you said, when you veer out of fitness, they'll study these other gurus that use a very ethical bent to get what they want. They're salesmen by nature. And Zig Ziglar, I think, is an example. I mean, I've actually worked at universities where some of Zig Ziglar's uh, principles were sort of woven into the curriculum even. And in a lot of ways, I look at this guy as a salesman. He sort of comes across as a sort of a secular preacher, you know, uh, and he, mm -hmm. he uses ethics and as a leadership tool. And I can see that going bad. It's not automatically bad, but I can see that going bad. And I think it's important to realize, everybody, that advanced gurus, not just the dummy talking about the six-pack abs, you know, like Phil said, you can – well, not everybody can. Maybe I take this for yeah. granted. But, yeah, Phil and I, you know, you, you look at something like that and you're like, here we go, you know. <laughs> uh, but these guys are are slick, Sometimes they're educated guys, uh, not necessarily just in the science of what they're doing, but they study marketing. And I've got in my hands right here a book by uh, Loudon and Bitta. This is an older book. I don't even know if it's still in print, but there's lots of books like this. P Trust me, people, in marketing. This one's called Consumer Behavior, and it's how to apply psychology to sell products. So, I mean, if you look through some of the chapters here, make no mistake, these guys are studying this stuff. Some of these guys do have advanced degrees, and they are smart enough 
to study how to manipulate you. If they were really the super scientist or super coach, like we often say, they'd go be doing it. We wouldn't know their names necessarily, maybe through the grapevine. Like when you hear world famous this or that, I'm already tuning out. Mm -hmm. You know, legitimate people already turn that off. Because anybody who feels like they have to be described as world famous is not probably really at the forefront of their game. <laughs> you know, uh, everybody's like that. It's overused. It's tired. Mm -hmm. You know, but we, there's chapters in this book like defining consumer behavior, you know, how consumers make decisions, what's the decision process, you know, how to uh, get significance in their daily lives. Um, it really it's almost invasive. You know, this is almost um, violating in a way to me. And now somebody might say, well, they're just trying to sell a product, you know, and you, there's nothing wrong with selling a product, making some money, doing something uh, good. And I would agree with that. But like I said, sometimes it's the gurus who are re reinventing the world in their own image and always telling you why you're wrong and their system is right. And you're right about the CrossFit thing. I mean, when I was at an ASAP conference, I had mentioned ASAP just a few minutes ago. Uh, I was down in Texas, and uh, Ripito was there, and there was a, quite a few people there. I like the sort of crossover, you know, between the practical and the and the science. And as I'm listening to this, um, John, Mike, and I, th I think we're talking about this at an ASAP conference once too. We're just floored by how unoriginal a lot of it was, the CrossFit mm -hmm. side of stuff, you know. And the nutritionists, they go hog wild with this stuff too. They create their own systems and they teach it so broadly that people start believing in it. You know, there's hashtags mm -hmm. all over Twitter and it's like no matter how much you push that, it's not a real term. Like you said, we've already yeah. you know you're, you're standing on the shoulders of geniuses and you're twisting it mm. because when you create your own terminology, your own vernacular, I like what you were saying with that because then who's a better how can like if if Phil Stevens comes up with a term I can't profess to know more about that than Phil Stevens. It's it's your term. You made it up. Anyway. Yeah, and that right there just screams. It just screams. I guess guru to me. And when when people start making their own terms for pre existing things, it's like, why? They're, what's the point? Why why waste the time to reinvent something that somebody smarter than you already just they took care of that exactly you know? exactly. And it just that makes no sense to me. Um, well, on the nutrition side, a lot of the guys, they even – they sort of flee to states where nutrition is less regulated, you know, uh, either Canada or border states, I call them, places where you can use other terms, you know, uh, nutrition professional, nutrition coach, life coach, whatever terms they use. But uh, there are certainly states like the one I live in where you can't practice – a healthcare like nutrition without a license, you know, and like you were saying, a lot of this stuff, like how to do uh, the whole nutrition care process, you know, with assessment and diagnosis and all these things, um, that stuff's been done. It's been put together by teams of PhDs, you know, and clinicians. And to think that you're just going to start from scratch and do it your own way. And then, unfortunately, yeah, the more disciples you get in your little cult of personality, and these cults of personality, I call them, they get big, tens of thousands of people sometimes. And then how do you tell them they're wrong? You know what I mean? Yeah. You, the, this whole system, there's big gaps in it. You're looking at it the wrong way. That's already been thought and shot down, <laughs> you know, what you're, what you're being taught. 
I don't know. It's very hard to unlearn people from what they have learned, I guess. You know, I mean, do you see a lot of that coming into your, your gym? Are there people that, whether it's nutrition or training, you got to say, listen, that's that's not real. Or are they, you know, are they ranked beginners mostly, though? Or Usually, yeah, and I think the most you see it is in there's so much misinformation in the nutrition world, and a lot of that's due to popular media, but that we're trying to undo. Um, yeah, I don't know. The whole, well, I don't know if we'll ever beat the whole the, the low fat craze. You know, things like that. Oh, I and, know. You know, mislabeling of food or – and I don't even know if it's mislabeling. That, there's that whole thing about just the personal responsibility of learn how to read a freaking label. You know, the people are pushing for labels to be uh, better, but it's like, man, if you actually look at it, it's all there. You just got to know what you're looking for, you know? Right. So, you know um, what? It's yeah, funny. It's hard to beat the nutrition thing and because, I don't know, it's so emotional. People get emotionally attached to that, but – yeah. Well, people remember how how you make them feel. They don't always yeah. remember the facts. But if you're going to be yeah. rational, you've got to remember the evidence and not just how someone made you, that they made you feel good. You know, yeah. you mentioned labels right now. A lot of people don't realize, but the nutrition facts panel is up for enormous debate because it costs billions of dollars to retool these labels and smack them across every product, you know, and mm -hmm. um, before the early 90s, I think it was, we didn't even have standardized food labels, but just what goes on it, like they're thinking about ditching, right now you have to put two vitamins and two minerals on a label, vitamin A and C, mm -hmm. and then um, iron and calcium, and they're thinking about getting rid of that and one of the vitamins they were going to put on there new was vitamin D, and I can see how that's a big deal. And they're going to make the calorie number really big. And But the point is there's been thousands of people, tens and tens of thousands of people, give input on this because they opened it sort of to the public uh, after you know a lot of the nutrition um, experts, federal people came up with some of this stuff, and they can't even decide on that. you know. And I think that opens it up to the gurus that they can initiate you into their system because it's really hard to know and agree what should be included on something like a food label or even a food knowledge questionnaire. I give out some food knowledge questionnaires and the clever ones that are published, the authors actually say it's actually hard to do f nutrition knowledge questionnaires because what's the right answer to some of these mm -hmm. things? I mean, seriously, because genetics are such a huge issue, you yeah. know, but you can't, you can't just throw in the towel and say, listen, uh, everybody's so individually different genetically. Screw it. We can't teach you anything. You mm -hmm. still got to come up. I mean, fat still has nine calories in a gram. Carbs still have four calories. There are realities here, but. Yeah. I got in a conversation about this. Not It was me and Sean Phillips and another person. And uh, the whole premise of the, the conversation started off with name a food that people think is good that you know is bad. And, you know, both Sean and I came out and like, well, there really aren't bad foods. You know, <laughs> there are just bad times and bad goals for those foods. Well, and you and know what, Phil, there you go. I mean, as a class example, a classic example of that is years ago, uh, and I have my concerns about what used to be the American Dietetic Association, now the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, but they try to do some good things out there. But one of the things they did was very good if, years ago was – they had a slogan that they slathered everywhere, which was all foods can fit. It just depends yeah. on when, you know what I mean? Yeah. So again, a lot of this stuff has been wrestled with, mm -hmm. I think, but you're right. The average consumer, they need some of that. Um, 
Well, yeah, and that's the, the thing we went into is like like Sean was like he said, you know, loads of sugar is is bad if you're just sitting on the couch, but if you're like a world class cyclist, you got to have it. You know, right? so it just depends. It's it's not black and white. It's very gray, and black and white works good for ebooks. You know, people want us bad. Oh Don't yeah, touch this. You know, and that's, eat this, you know, not that. You know, yeah, and it's that's what it's good for. It's good for sales, but. Other in the real world, it's it's more gray area. I mean, that's like I'm very much into lifting heavy weights and this and that, but there are times for the other stuff, you know. Is and I recognize that, you know, there are times where I got my freaking powerlifters doing lunges and unilateral work and dragon sleds and mm-hmm. whatever, you mm-hmm. know. It's 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 not all me powerlifter, me pick up big weight, yeah. Right. So no, exactly. Um, it, it's so gray, and, and yet people want told what to do. You know, yes. and I think that's true on the training side or and the eating. Just yeah. write down what you want me to eat. It's like that's not how it's done. You mm-hmm. know, there's individual differences. We have to yes. do some assessments first and get some baseline info. You know, and that's what blows me away. It's it's almost like I don't know. At least in nutrition, with me, some people might say, well, "Why do you go get a license in nutrition?" It's like because I wanted to practice it legitimately. I mean, when you go to the dentist. It's nice that he has a license that, you know, mm-hmm. that it, it, that's no guarantee he's a good dentist. Like we've said before on the show, I mean, there's a lot of people with driver's licenses and they suck. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it helps to, you know, when it comes to stuff like if you're going to be treated for health care, for example, mm-hmm. that someone has, in fact, met those criteria. I mean, all those years of training and clinical experiences and um, exams to prove yourself every week for year after year. That is real world. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. So I don't like when people um, devalue some of that kind of stuff. Now, having said that, we've said this before. Uh, a lot of people would say you're not legitimate. You're you're basically a guru if you're not one of us. And I don't like that approach necessarily either. So um, just to stay positive, what can you do, you know, in a world of these guys who are studying your behavior and let these guys are slick, you know, they don't have tens of thousands of followers at random. Usually they have studied consumer behavior. They know how to use ethics and team building and all these other things to form their cults of personality, you know, but one of the positive things I would say is if you don't want to go redirect scientific literature from a strength conditioning journal or a nutrition journal and that's not for everybody i know that would be go get some legitimate textbooks i mean i'm playing with the beta actually of the iron radio store and phil you and i need to talk about this some but one of the things that i'm going to put in my little corner of the store are recommended textbooks you know people are like what book should i read i think it's this one you know or this yeah. one because they tend to be screened. There's, they're not as heavy on that reader hook, like you were saying, with those ridiculous web pages where mm-hmm. you're just reading, you're panning down whole screen lengths, three screen lengths before they get to, oh, you want my money, you know? And textbooks tend not to do that. They do a yeah. lot of work for you. They lay down the basic foundations. And I think that's the problem with a lot of lifters, you know, gym consumers, nutrition consumers, fitness enthusiasts, is they've got huge gaps in what they know, uh, because they never sat down with a textbook, you know, uh, they can talk in extreme detail on certain topics and impress the heck out of me. Then I'll hear them say something and I'll just sort of wince to myself like, Ooh, no, that's not how that works. Uh, not that I'm trying to be judgmental, just that there's those gaps, you know, so they're yeah. bright and they're learning key facts, but they need a more 
building block stepwise approach, you know, uh, on how to go get the basics down and get it from an unbiased source. And like I said, textbooks are some of the best ways to do that. I've said it many times on the show, but I'm a big fan of the Mel Williams sports nutrition book because he talks about basics. But then if you want to go more advanced, that book can grow with you because he actually does many literature reviews uh, on topics from creatine to protein to caffeine. I mean, so um, I don't know what advice you might have. Mine would be look at some textbooks, but I'm also a bookworm, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, aside from that, I, I love books too. And uh, aside from that is go go meet somebody actually doing what you're doing, <laughs> you know. And But, I mean, the bad part about that is maybe you want to be a guru, so you're going to go, how are you marketing to these people? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm talking to the people that, you know, if you want to be a coach, go go talk to somebody who's doing it, spending time with people, <clears throat> you know, and actually making them better. Um, yeah, successful at it. There's Yeah, there's a lot of – there's a, a ton that can be gained just by that and, and just shut up and watch and listen and, and learn what you can, but – um, those two things, I think they need to be merged more, which we've talked about a lot, uh, you know, merging the practical and the educational or, and whatnot. Right. And, yeah. Um, if all you do is read a textbook, that's not going to make you really um, a practitioner at anything. It yeah, can, you it can make you tires look, on the road at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <clears throat> so, It'd make you learned, but not necessarily yeah. right. Like um, yeah. somebody who can yeah get body fat off of clients, mm-hmm. you know, and – Follow follow some of these established, and that's why some of the certifications are good, um, because they give you some framework, you know. But uh, the certification thing is also an issue because a lot of gurus they create their own education and certification programs. I mean, that's very frightening to me. You know what I mean? It's again, it's like they've tossed away the medical establishment completely. And trust me, we have made progress. Don't let someone make you believe that we don't know what the hell is going on with nutrition or exercise physiology. There are decades of literature on this stuff. Uh, And yes, there are individual differences, but science even addresses those now, you know, um, and even epigenetic differences, how your lifestyle turns genes on and off. But we are understanding these things more and more. And when you combine that, like you said, Phil, with rubber on the road, rubber meets Mm -hmm. the road, um, that's what translational... Uh, medicine is supposed to be research in medicine, which is the scientist comes up with something, says, what do you think? Like Joey's high protein diet. Then someone goes and feeds it to the cl- to his clients and says, wow, that really worked. Or I would change this or that, Mr. Researcher. What, what next? Here's what I, I think you should try next. And mm-hmm. there's that loop between the practitioner and the researcher. Yeah. You know, but instead we kind of get people that they reinvent the world in their own image and then they start certifying thousands of people and even creating their own universities what the hell is going on you know because that just creates chaos i mean if you want to be a nutrition expert go get a degree and a license for christ's sake you have to have one to legally practice otherwise you're practicing without a license like i said i don't want to go to a dentist that doesn't have a license i don't want to go to a doctor that's unlicensed Um, no and i think this is a big one it always as far as training goes and, and strength sports, we always get the question is why are the Russians so much damn stronger than us? <laughs> and uh, I think right there is a huge part of it. It's they have a very set out um, a system and they yes. have merged science with practitioners. Yes. And they work hand in hand and they study this shit. And, OK, now we're going to try this, you know, 
And, no, that's a great example. You know, they do. I mean, they have they have universities. That's all they do is work with athletes and try to make them better. And the scientists are working with the coaches, and they're working hand in hand and trying to figure out the best ways to do this. And of course, part of that is you know performance enhancing drugs. But hey, that, that's here to stay. Well, that you kind know, of mixes with the science. They have that mixes with the science exactly. Okay, we're going to try this now. Um, and they've done some crazy off the wall shit like they're they're. Uh, plyometrics and things that jump off that 10 foot wall with 315 you know? <laughs> okay and then they finally realize that you know it only takes like two percent you know the the best plyometrics are done with body weight it's like yeah. well that's how they figured it out though they have these assholes jump off a 10 foot yeah wall and measure measure what happens so <laughs> right. um, at no. least they've merged it you know well and like you said i mean you said this a few weeks ago but here in the states, uh, we have such a free and open market. You know, there there's less freedoms, but then you mm-hmm. get this structured system that works. You know, yes. and it doesn't just work in the lab. That might be where it starts. Maybe it starts in the field, mm-hmm. but there's this mm-hmm. sort of circular, yeah, science to practitioner model. Mm-hmm. And then after decades, it's not even up for debate much anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, we have made progress. We can heal certain injuries and diseases. We can make champion athletes. You know what I mean? And here in the States, though, what you get is uh, it's so wild and free market. And there's bo- there's benefits to that. Of course there are. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get less structure and you get people creating their own, like, bogus certificates in universities, mm-hmm. you know, in, in their own image. And I think that God complex is what's most creepy to me is, yeah. you know, not only are they studying your psychology and they're trying to make you feel good ultimately to get your money or your loyalty but then it's very hard once you've been bamboozled there's an old sagan quote that nobody wants to admit they've been bamboozled so then they defend what they were taught first even if they don't realize it's not legitimate medicine or science or practice it's it made up terminology just like you said just made up vernaculars yeah well and, and here in the states you get this whole kind of a fight between science and the practitioner as far as strength training you know, it's you get the whole camp. Well, this isn't science. You know, it's pick things up, put things. Well, it is science. You know, you know the, the art of training is science. There's science too. It's not very much, science, but it's science. Very much. You know, and there's such a disconnect between the two that there's almost, you know, the, the scientists don't like the coach, and the coach don't like the scientists. That and, happens you know. everywhere, dude. I mean, yeah, yeah I. At universities, the biologist, I've talked to a biology uh, professor about two years ago, and he was just really confirming. He's like, no, no, Lonnie, what you've seen, everybody sees that. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the researchers look down on the practitioners like you're just the grunts. You don't even have a, a, you don't have a PhD, let alone a postdoc, yeah. you know. And then the practitioners are like, I'm the one out there on the front lines. You're just giving me information. I'm the pinnacle of the profession. Mm-hmm. And you get that. And that's why I said that reciprocal model is how you keep yes. that positive. You got to have respect on both sides. Yes. And uh, you know, luckily, I think because because you're a coach and I'm an academic nerd, uh, and Rob's a journalist that shares information with the public. Mm-hmm. That's why that formula, I think, sort of worked because from the get go on Iron Radio, we've said, listen, there are different ways to get educated. Of course, mm-hmm. there are. I mean, yeah. even in the academic world, you have to spend time in internships and in clinical rotations. And yeah. you have to go actually work with people and watch it. Oh, hey, that worked. Yep, mm-hmm. it works. And that's why it's um, it's especially disturbing, I think, when you start getting these, I don't know what you would call them, um, non-traditional universities and certificate programs mm-hmm. Crop up now. Don't get me wrong. 
getting something certified in something, that can be a good thing. I mean, it's better to know something about training and nutrition than nothing at all. But yeah. you've got to pay deference to the fact that we do have decades and decades of information on how to do this right. Yeah. You know, and you can't and twist it to your own, you know, God complex world in my image kind of thing. Yeah. And that's one thing. I mean, I'll, I'll tie this back into I, I like drawing parallels between the art world and the training world because I well, I got into them both at the same time and I got my higher degree in art. And one of the funny things I saw and you see it in the strength training field, too, was uh, you get these new school of artists that I had the pleasure of working with that it's like they they want to go from nothing to Picasso <laughs> overnight. And it's like, but if you go back and study Picasso, he was, you know, he's known for his abstract art and nobody knows that he, he only went to that after he was like a master in realism. It's like he oh, got so yes. bored. He, he learned from the previous masters and he got so bored with it because he was so good at it. Now he could branch out and go further. I totally and see your point. Yep. You get so many people that they want to ignore the the footsteps that were already there. It's like follow if you want to start, follow these guys first before you try and branch out on your own. You know nothing. Yeah. You know, there there are well defined paths you can follow to get an education. Well I think before art, you branch out on your you own. You probably agree with this then. Mm -hmm. I, I think art has become such a cop out. Uh, oh, because yeah. people, they automatically, now. yeah, the musicians, they call themselves artists before they can even play a single instrument or read music, you know, yeah. or the artists, the um, painters, yeah, they start saying, oh, I'm an abstract artist, I'm a modern yes. artist, and like you said, ask them to paint a recognizable uh, still life, and they can't do it. Yes. You know. Exactly, and you can't, you just can't bypass those, you know, you, you can't bypass that learning, and that's why you'll never see these people in in textbooks you know sure they're in new york right now because they their their piece they said the right words to the right person mm -hmm. and it's all this conceptual art you know it's like anything could pass for art because god, it's conceptual. you're right phil so and, many parallels oh my god and, they and, said the uh, right words to the right person same yeah, thing that's with all it is it's just it's a popularity contest yeah i fought that that's what i fought in graduate school it's like i i'm not doing it to make it in new york if i make it there fine but I'm doing it on my own, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm doing what I believe is real. And it's the same thing in training field. You know, I, I could sell out. I could become a very much more well-known coach um, by selling out for sponsorships and this and that and just doing what's popular. You know, if I bought a bunch of BOSU balls and had people doing functional, I'd probably have 50 more clients in here um, just because it's popular. But I'm not doing that. You know, I'm going to make it on my own, what I believe in, and you know. So. Well, let's face it. I mean, we're not going to start Iron Radio University and give out yeah. the Iron Certificate. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just – but the, I yeah. just – I think people, like you said, when you're a painter, you build the basic skill set. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as a consumer. Just – I mean, if you can go read a basic textbook – uh, like a sports nutrition book or a basic nutrition book. There's some very good ones out there. And again, maybe I'll put these in the store. I don't want to create the world in my image. I want you to point. I want to point you to people smarter than me who have already done a great job. You know, and then or you read a book on consumer behavior or on marketing, and you're like, oh my god, they really are manipulating me. Yeah. I mean, I've even heard some people. I think it was a TED talk. Uh, the guy was saying, you have much less freedom of choice than you think you have. 
because you're only presented with a closed number of choices, you know, and we know based on market research what you're going to do, you know. I mean, why do you think those those bots online, you know, the ads that are on the side of the screen, they're watching your behaviors. And that's mm-hmm. just the basic side. Human psychology goes way deeper. And it's yeah. like I said, it's very hard once somebody gets bamboozled by going to one of these alternative education programs, universities, God forbid, you know, made up universities or certificates. Once you're bamboozled, it's very hard to admit that, you know, you're basically um, always uh, a slave to that guru then because they initiated you into something that you're not strong enough to say, listen, I'm going to change my conclusions in the face of new evidence. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so I'm a fan and you're right. We've kind of gone on about this before, but you know what? What's real is going to be real every episode, and that is yeah. read. You know, read about consumer behavior, read about nutrition, read about training from legitimate textbooks. Then, if somebody wants to come along and say, "Here's my angle. Here's my take on it," um, but they're they're still citing people smarter than themselves. You know, great, but yeah, do that basic, like you said, with painting. Learn the basics, and yeah. and that's what we're saying. If you can learn There's the basics. There's a well-defined path to learn things, and it's not going to change. You know? Yeah. I mean, in the, in the training field, if if Joe Schmo is doing Olympic weightlifting and he's teaching it totally different than anybody in the whole world, I question that. It's like, okay, show me it. Show me your Olympians. Exactly. You know, because there are ways to learn this stuff. It's been around a long time. Well, what now, you're asking sure, for. You're going to have. You're asking for evidence is what you're, yeah. you know, it comes back to ask for the freaking evidence. There's an ad that I show students and it says why everyone is wrong in the way they build mass and strength. Mm-hmm. I'm already, you know, the red yeah. flags are flying. Here we go. Let's see yeah. why you're going to recreate the world in your image and tell me why I'm asking the wrong questions and why you've got the beat on things. Yeah. You know, so anyway, <laughs> that's, I don't want to be salty. I, yeah. Hopefully people can get some gold nuggets out of that. You know what I mean? Like read up, not just on the n- nutrition of the training. Uh, and you're not reading the book just to obey it blindly, just authority. Mm. That's not the best source of knowledge, but it does get, it, it inoculates you against gurus, yeah. you know? Well, so, and like you said, and, and time w- with the rubber on the road, you've got to spend some time. You want to be a coach, watch what works from a good coach. Yeah. You know. And if there's only one person saying this, what you're about to follow, that's probably not a good sign. If everybody else doing it is saying something different, except for this one person, I question that. You know, it's like, why is there only one? Yeah, the only right. other people are his disciples. <sighs> yeah, you know. So, right on. Yeah. All right. Well, there's some <laughs> there's some bitching for you to yeah. listen to in the car, everybody. <laughs> but like I said, at least there's some there's some positive tips in there. It's yeah. just, uh, yeah, caveat emptor. You know, we're always saying that. And mm-hmm. like I said, I just I stumbled across some readings where I saw some of these gurus. Um, some of them are educated, uh, but again, they've got that spiritual indoctrination thing kind of going, and they're doing it on purpose, you know, and they're recreating these these systems to become authorities and they do find their way sometimes into um legitimate seminars you know and webinars and academic circles and uh Mm -hmm. that's where things start to become almost alarming you know to me but yeah all right hi guys thanks a lot
Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.